Welcome to the Corey and Kai Podcast, presented by Cedar-Run Decoy Company. Built on honoring traditions and focused on conservation. You can find us at Cedar-Run Decoy Facebook and Instagram. Hey guys. How you doing? Good. Good, Good morning. Good morning. We got some fresh coffee here. Yeah. Thanks to Kai. Kai fired some coffee up. You're welcome. It actually, my... The old uh, coffee maker isn't too too fast. It's a little slow. But luckily, I had a little bit of leftover from this morning, so I just heated it up. Oh, <laughs> so I didn't know. It's like, yeah, phenomenal coffee. Now we're getting the truth. All right. So, well, yeah, we're, we're excited for, for kicking this thing off. Um, I'm Corey Lucas, one of the hosts here, and we got... I'm Kai Carlson, the other host. So, uh, Corey and I met years ago and just decided to put this thing together. So it should be a fun run. This is the first one of many. Yeah. And so to get, to give you all some background, we uh, we kicked this morning off with a with a hunt with uh, our friend Kyle Jennings over here, and I'll let we Kyle kind of kind of talk about uh, who he is and why he might be on the, the show today. Um, but yeah, we spent some time in the blind together this morning. That's the best way to start any morning. It is. Yeah. Yeah. We got to see some birds too. That was a nice thing. I tried to shoot one, but um, <laughs> I had him in my sights, and I pulled the trigger, and my safety was on. And then the bird fell, and I was like, well, that wasn't me. I know that wasn't me. Somebody, nice shot, somebody. <laughs> yeah, I don't have that excuse for uh, my misses. Oh, uh, that's know? funny. No, we, we had a pretty good morning, despite you know the weather. It's going to be 82 today, uh, no wind, and I hunted the same spot Saturday, so two days ago, and we still have birds. Let's tell everybody, yeah. too, it's, it's October, is this the 11th? 11th yep so it's yep. october 11th it's supposed to be 82 in southwest michigan which is for me is an outrage yeah it's a bluebird day today like i was i was talking with kyle earlier kyle and kai um my wife actually had offered up the suggestion to go to the beach today so i mean that's that's <laughs> crazy that's or duck hunting cra- yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, do you want to go to the beach or go duck hunting it's we can do either yeah that's crazy um but yeah we're, we're kind of excited to get this thing kicked off and and kind of talk through what our life experiences are and what, what Kyle's been up to and what he's, what he's looking to do. But, um, I'll let Kyle, yeah, we just covered a lot of that. We kept, we yeah. were laughing. We we're like, we should have hit record about 30 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. I think re- that's yeah. Revisit some things. It's, uh, it's been great. It's been a fun morning guys. I'm, I appreciate you having me here. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming out nice and early. I mean, yeah. it really wasn't that bad, but you no, know, we, we I, drove in, walked a few feet. Yeah. Sat in the blind, pushed up a little buck. Mm-hmm. Yep, got it on video. Yep, I'm gonna. I'm gonna post all that stuff on on uh, Instagram. I'm a big Instagrammer. What is your Instagram? At, is it uh, at Kyle Jennings thirteen? Okay. Yeah. So I'll be posting stuff from our our day today on that and uh, taking the folks on the ride. Yeah, and you this morning. Yeah, and you all can check out um, Cedar Run Decoys Instagram too and see some photos that Kai took yep. uh, this morning as well. So we'll what's put that, those what, up. is that at Cedar Run Decoys? Yep. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Well, let's have Corey start off with a few things. Um, I don't know. I have a list of questions, but I kind of want to keep it organic too. You yeah. Know? Oh, and, well, yeah. you know, he said this, yeah. to talk a little bit. I, you know, I'm a singer songwriter. I, yeah. I uh, started in Kalamazoo, started as a hockey player first. That was going to be, that's all I ever wanted to do. Yeah. You know, from the time I was a little kid, I, I played baseball like little league when I was a kid. And I remember riding in the truck back with my dad after the game. And I remember saying, Dad, I don't really like to play baseball. 
And he goes, well, what are you doing? What are you playing for? Yeah. And so I thought you wanted me to. He goes, hell no, don't play for me. <laughs> but the funny thing was is, you know, with baseball, it's like a glove. You have a glove and maybe a ball cap. Mm-hmm. And I could never, I never could never find my glove. So with hockey, you've got shin pads and you've got skates and elbow pads and shoulder pads and pants and your helmet and your sticks and yeah. garter belt, and cup and everything else. And he goes, how are you going to keep track of a whole bag full of equipment when you can't even find your glove, you know? And, uh, and I was like, I don't know, but I'll do it. And uh, hockey was just an easy fit for me, natural fit. But anyway, uh, fast forward, you know, um, I, I just loved music. We used to joke when I was playing high school. My my uh, one of my teammates, Dan Northup, I'd sing in the locker room when we were getting re- you know getting dressed, and they say, "Hey, if hockey didn't ever work out, you can always be a country singer." Uh, 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 imagine that, you know? We'd laugh. Right. Funny where life takes you. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so you spent a lot of time down in Nashville. So you moved yeah. from from Southwest Michigan yep. to to Nashville, and um. Was there anything in between that time or did you go kind of like right from playing sports and in high school to, to Nashville? No, I came back. Um, so I, I played a couple years of junior hockey and uh, I was in Toledo, Ohio and Springfield, Illinois. And then uh, I came back and I was living at my grandfather's house. Um, my folks gave me uh, a place to stay for free if I wanted to help take care of it. Cause my grandfather had been, in, had been uh, admitted to a nursing home and um, he used to play, violin for us when i was a kid and i mean he was he was just a fantastic musician i remember as a little kid like grandpa will you play you know fiddle no 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 he just kept pushing it off you know you'd nag him enough and finally he'd break it out and he'd tune it by ear you know he'd break it out break the case out you know he'd start tuning by ear plucking strings and then he'd start just playing and uh just one night i said you know i want to i want to i want to see grandpa's old fiddle and i reached under his bed expecting to find a fiddle i pull out this great big case I just remember thinking, damn, that's a big fiddle, <laughs> you know. And I found an old acoustic guitar that I didn't even know he had. Nobody really, really had. I, really, I, you know, I'd never seen him play it. So then I, I started uh, just picking on it. Didn't have a clue what I was doing. I knew a guy that knew how to play, um, that, that played guitar. So I had him. I ran him down and started picking his brain about like, where do I put my fingers? You know, how do I play a C chord? And then how do I play a D chord? And hell, at this time, I didn't have any. Uh, any idea of music theory, how chords work together, what notes were in what scale. I didn't know anything about that. So then I, now I know three chords that are, that are like completely unrelated, you know, like in a, in a particular key. And I start writing these terrible songs, you know, and uh, started making trips to Nashville and really loved it. Um, I started, it, it all started because I would, I'd go out with some friends and I'd sing karaoke and it was, it was just fun. And people would come up and they go, "Hey, you know, hey, nice job." And I would, I'd be like, "Yeah, right, thanks." You know, it's the booze talk. <laughs> but I love, right? yeah, right. exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. But I love. I've been do one it. of those guys. Yeah, so, yeah. you did so guys good. Like you. Yeah. Uh, you're you're, you're, you're the best idol. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. But then uh, you know, I I did it more and more, and it was almost like I would sing something, and then I just wait to see like the reaction was at that point after mm-hmm. after singing like maybe a dozen times out. You know, I'd I'd sing something and I'd be like, well, I wonder if it's going to happen again. People come up, hey, wow, you, you did a nice job. So then I, I just, you know, started playing and, and writing songs. I started making trips to Nashville and uh, decided I wanted to kind of pour my, my passion into that. And I, was, I was about 22. 
Okay. Did that. So it was late, late in life for me. <laughs> so yeah. do you really think your grandpa was the one then to kind of help you pursue yep. that music part of it? Well, he certainly nurtured it. I, yeah. I He gave me the money to make my first record. Oh, cool. I remember I had an opportunity to make, uh, just essentially sing to tracks. So, mm-hmm. so, a. a a producer was going around and was uh, was offering um, some pre-recorded tracks, and you could put your voice on it. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like a few grand. You know, you could you could do like ten songs. <clears throat> and so I had asked, I think I'd asked my parents or something, or you know, do you think Grandpa would help? And he said, Well, you're gonna have to go ask him that. And so I went up to my grandpa and I said, Hey, I've got this opportunity to make a record. I'd like, to, you know, I don't have the money to do it. And I, he didn't bad an eye. I remember, I remember him saying, if, if the money's there, you can have it. So he ended up giving me the money to make my first record, which, you know, looking back now was awful, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was what it was. It was the entry for me to learn the recording process and, um, and, and then, you know, learning how to sing and track and all that stuff. So, that's yeah. Cool. yeah, I it, think that's what keeps people kind of held back from doing what they want to do is the fear of something turning out awful. You know, yeah. and you got to, and it like, usually is. Yeah. But you just, oh, yeah. you got to start somewhere. Right? You know, it's like, we got, we got my, my, uh, lab pup in the water for the first time this weekend. It's like, I knew it was kind of going to be a train wreck, right? Yeah. but you got to start there, yep. you know, and, and have faith that it's going to get better. And that's you know? anything. All right. One of the first guys that I met down in Nashville, Jared Neiman, he's a, you know, fantastically successful writer and an artist now. But he's one of the first guys I just happened to meet at a honky tonk through another guy, and and he ended up being my first roommate. And um, you know, for those that don't know Jared, he's written uh, "Good Ride Cowboy" for Garth Brooks, and he wrote a number of songs for Garth, Jamie Johnson, and then he's had his own his own career. Great, really, really great singer, great songwriter. Um, he got to write with one of his heroes early in in uh, when he moved to Nashville, and uh, Whitey Schaefer, which was one of his big songwriting heroes. <clears throat> and he and he asked Whitey, he said, you know, if you could give me one piece of advice, what would it be? And Whitey told him, just don't ever give up. If you just keep writing and you stay in town, something's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. But people, you know, they put a they put a timeline on it. You know, they'll yeah. say, uh, well, I'm going to do this till I'm 30. I did that. I said, I'm going to do this till I'm 30. And, uh, you know, it's almost like Texas Hold'em. You know, you build up a skill set. And then once you're pot committed, you know, it's like, what am I going to walk away from the skill set that I've built up for, you know, 15 years or however yeah, many right. years it's going to be? Um, you know, and you, and you just start looking at yourself and going, well, I said I was going to do this till 30 and I pushed it to 32 and now I'm 35 and right. now I'm 38, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, but it's it's a hard, you know, once you once you have been into the industry for so many years, you're just going to walk away from it. Right. You know, and uh, you just got to you just got to stay down the path. And that was something my dad was repetitive from my dad. And just stay the course. Consistency. Just, yeah. Just perseverance. Stay the course. Perseverance. Yep, you know. We Kai and I talk about that quite a bit. It's like the the key ingredients that, that we've noticed is like that perseverance and grit. They can yep. kind of be two different things. Um, but generally they're always gonna have a positive outcome. And I think in the world we live in today with like instant you see these, you know, instant social media stars and things like that, that we mm-hmm. kind of oh, yeah. forgotten that that's the way to go. Not the shotgun approach where you try and do as much, many different things as possible. And hopefully one of them sticks. Right. It's no, like, it, it's, I mean, you know, we're going to get into songwriting too, you know, but that's, that's a craft in itself that is built over time. You know, I, I, I use the, uh, the analogy to, about blacksmithing. I mean, nobody yeah. picks up iron 
or steel and just starts pounding it out. You've got to learn. You've got to apprentice. Um, understand, you know, the ins and outs of your craft, and then uh, incorporate your particular style and characteristics into an already established set of, you know, traits, crafts, and and processes in order to kind of make to come out on the other end with who you are. But it's its own process, and 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 you have to you have to you know, there's that old saying that old saying you know, there's no elevator to success. You've got to take the stairs. It's so true. Right. You can't, you, you can't just pick up and just win have, the lotto. You have yeah, to mean, learn yeah, your yeah. craft. You have to love it. You have to soak yourself in it and, and learn and, and just make it part of your everyday life and live and breathe it. Yeah. Well, I don't know anybody who's become excellent at anything right. and just say, well, I'm just naturally, I don't know. I just, I don't really like it that much. I'm just, really, <laughs> you know, they like, they know, yeah. Right. The history of their of whatever it is their trade is, they know what the trends are. They know what is relevant to the times. They know the tools. They know the you know the craftsmanship, mm-hmm. and um, that's how you get great. Yeah, and I think it's you know I, I relate that back to like if you're a waterfowl hunter, it's kind of like if you grew up and you had this piece of land out back and it was on the X and you had a thousand ducks coming in there every time you went out and hunted. Right. Yeah. And you didn't develop anything. Right. You didn't really develop your skill set. And then what happens if that gets taken away? Right. You know, we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah, Like that instance of success can be a huge problem. I think it is a huge problem. I think a lot of guys suffer because of that. You know, when you have walked a long, fiery trail to get to your success, it breeds a lot of humility, Mm. uh, you know, and appreciation for not just your own success but appreciation for other people's success and knowing how hard that is. There's artists that I don't care for personally, stylistically. I don't care for that guy's music or that guy's music or that girl's music, but I'm happy for their success. It might even be taking country music in a place. I don't like it. Right. But I know how hard it is. Yeah. And God bless them. If you got an opportunity to go out there and make music and do what you love to do and, and you can make a good living doing that and provide for your family, I might not buy your record, but I mean, I respect the process. I'm cheering for you. And and I wouldn't, I mean, it's not like I would, um, you know, I I wouldn't, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like boycott anything, you know, good for him. Right. Um, It's a hard road. Just like being excellent in anything, sports, hunting, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. You know, you guys know Cameron Haynes? Yeah. yeah. You know, he is. He didn't get where he is by just weekend hunting. Right. I don't know. It looks like he sits on the couch a lot. And takes, you know, <laughs> yeah. It's like, ah, I'll just go out on Saturday and check. Yeah. Isn't that cut. what everybody does? Yeah. yeah. Well, with I mean, the amount of hard work that he puts into, I mean, you, you, you've seen his workout gym at home and yeah. the amount of, I mean, he runs like what, 20 miles a day or something. And when he's yeah, getting ready. Yeah. 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 But either way, there is a huge group of people that hate him because they think he, oh he's well, just that's what too I was, intense. He's just, yeah, too he's intense. too intense. Well, that's what I was going to just going to say though is, is he you know a lot of it's attitude. Mm-hmm. A lot of people walk away because they get overwhelmed with the naysayers or they get they start listening to people and it starts beating down their psyche, you know, and I think one of the valuable things, I think one of the most valuable things about Cameron Haynes is the culture that he's built of people of believers and doers and achievers and overcomers. I you know. Yeah. Because he's keep hammering. He does I, not give. He does not give a single. You know what? Yeah, yeah. He is going to go out. And he's going to. He's going to post that he's running a mountain. That he's running twenty six miles. Here are my metrics for all the people who don't believe me. Here's me talking normal. 
running nine yeah. miles an hour uphill yeah. up a mountain in Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know the most humble people, you know, that you, that look up, not look up to him, but look to him for like the way to do something. Right. It's and they're the most, just the, the most laid back, humble people. And it's like, I think everybody can, can appreciate hard work but it's or ha- they should. It's habit building, right? right? Like if I do, if I'm disciplined to my, to my run every day and I'm disciplined to my shooting every day, that discipline bleeds, carries over, bleeds yeah. and it mm-hmm. carries over into every aspect right. of your life. And mostly people that I know that are successful pursue excellence. If they're sweeping the floor, they want to get the floor yeah. great. If they're doing the dishes, they want to load the dishwasher and get it most the most efficient way to load the dishwasher. It's everything, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. I, can, oh, I, yeah. It's that's, everything they do. Yeah, that's like we talked a little bit about that, but that's my kind of my dad's thing too. Is is just like everything he does is like all the thought in the world's gone into it, and it's when he's done with it, he knows that there's nothing else he could have done to make it any better yep. than it was, you know? I and was like, like, that's, that wasn't me in my younger years for sure. And I think that's probably a lot of people's story. They yep. don't start out that way, but they mature. They understand. If, if more men could be like that today, we'd oh, be man. in a much better place. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, absolutely. There, if there was more appreciation in the long, you know, kind of pounding out the iron process mm. yep. instead of like, how do I get rich quick? How do I, you know, how do I lose weight quick? How do I get the fastest meal? How do I, you know, whatever it is, everything is such a mic. We're such a microwave yeah. generation now yeah. and it's getting worse as it, as it goes on, you know, but the best meals are slow cooked. You know, yeah. the best music is made over time. Um, you know, the, the best of everything is, is, you know, goes through a, a process. Yeah. It goes through a, a forging process. It's kind of like, you know, as a habitat guy, I look at it like somebody who's willing to take a, you know, like Kai's got a piece of property out here. Somebody who's willing to take a subpar habitat and say, "Hey, I want to build this for ducks," knowing it's going to be, it's going to take work, it's going to yep. take you know resources, it's going to take time, yep. and they're willing to do it instead of saying like, "Ah, this is this spot's no good," you know, I'm going to go try and find another spot to hunt. Yeah. They're yep. like, you know, I know this is a process. I know it's going to be hard work. And that's what. But makes when it you fun. build this habitat, yeah. all of a sudden ducks and geese start showing up and. You're like, how rewarding is that? Much more rewarding than going and finding a lease somewhere and popping in on some mm -hmm. property. And I think that relates to anything. I mean, songwriting is like that. You write a lot of bad songs. A lot of them. Like, what's the percentage? Uh, 70% probably. I think when when you get started, it's so high. It's hard to say what the percentage is. But there's a podcast out there called uh, Write You a Song. And what they do is they take a, a successful songwriter um, who's written a bunch of hits and they, they do this and they talk about the writing process. I listen to it because I try to learn every single day. Yeah. Uh, uh, I just want to get better. I love songwriting. I, you know, I, I, I'd like to be, I'd like to think that I'm a good songwriter, but I'm more interested in getting, becoming a better songwriter tomorrow. Can I, what can I, what can I learn today to use as part of my, my tool shed, you know, that I can take yeah. when I sit down with it, with an idea and just try to get better. And one of the things that, that uh, one of the writers said they uh, the host asked her it's a female writer they had written a bunch of songs um i'm trying to think who it was but i can't remember he says do you know when you've written a hit song she goes nope and really? you, you kind of don't i mean you think you do you think you you know you got songs you're close to or that you maybe feel like yeah i really colored this really well it's yeah. a neat lyrical thing or whatever but you just don't know how it's going to hit people you know sometimes i'll sing i'll pull, i'll write something i'm like yeah 
and you play it out and you're you're approaching it on the writer side from a too technical you know depth theoretical place where the layman out there who's working the nine to five who's drinking bush light is like that song rocks and you're like what that thing is a piece of garbage (laughs) just run all your songs through kai yeah and then you can you can you can weed out the good and bad ones right but you know dolly parton they say she wrote like fifteen thousand songs what holy cow yeah like something ridiculous and and uh you know, for every 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 you know, hundred songs, crappy songs that you write, you're gonna write one good one. So the seventy percent threshold may be too small. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's the thing is is you know we talked a little bit about it earlier. What 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 makes great songwriters different from good songwriters from mo- mediocre songwriters is how microscopically they go. You know, they go uh, beat by beat, phrase by phrase, note by note, rest by rest. And they make sure that there's a place and a value for everything. You know, there's there's a, there's the right time for an intro. There's the right amount of time um, and uh, and phrasing and and chord movement and all of these things that go into all the different aspects of creating, you know, what that experience is going to ultimately entail. Um, it's easy to write a, a, you know, a verse and a chorus. We talked a little bit about the great writers are not happy unless that second, unless you're continuing to escalate the song. If you're not continuing to push the song along, then you've just basically it, said, eh, I've got, I'm coasting now. Yeah. Mm. That's you're what I've enjoyed. Really yeah. That's what I've enjoyed about country music is that the story gets told throughout the entire song. I, like a lot of genres, it's like repetition, right? Like you can predict yep. what the next verse is and you know what's coming in the song. And yep. they almost want you, I think, want you to do that so you can sing along and it can get, the hooks can really get buried in. Yep. But country music is like every verse is continuing on the story. And I like that aspect of yes. it. Yes. I mean, songs are just, song. every song, I mean, even in the same genre, songs vary just from song to song. You know, if it's a story song, you're probably going to get a little bit, little bit you know, um, more introspective, um, you know, dialect or, or, or representation there where, you know, rock and roll, I think is a little bit more melody driven, you know, it's mm-hmm. more of like, yeah. you know, um, you know, instrumental and, and melodically driven where you're, you're going to kind of, like you say, you're going to remember it, you know, it's kind of repetitious. I think country is a little bit more, you know, involved with the songwriting and that's really, truly what Nashville at its core, at its root, it's a writer's town. I mean, you know, the commercial, uh, country music comes out of Nashville. It's where all the music is made. Um, that's relevant to anything you hear uh, that's out kind of mainstream. But at its root, truly, um, you know, going on every night are these writers' nights. Yeah. Because that's what people, you know, you go to Nashville because you want to be an artist. This is what happened to me. I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be Garth Brooks. I wanted to run around on stage and shake water on people. <laughs> and I wanted fire. <laughs> From yeah. the stage. Oh yeah, gotta have fire. And I yeah. wanted to swing around from harnesses. So and you wanted like people. Kiss combined with I like dude, I mean that's George Strait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember watching a Garth thing going like I can do that. You know, like even not not having much of any kind of knowledge of music or instrumentation. At my first onset, I was like, I can do that. I can entertain people. Yeah. That's what I thought. Like you had a personality that yeah. boded well for, for not being afraid to get up on stage or exactly. like you you seek that out. Whereas like Myself, I can't speak for Kai, but myself, it like is the opposite, right? Like yeah. I'm gonna find opportunities, and I look at people doing that. I'm like, how do they keep their composure? Like, how do you? Do, I you think know? I've, I think I've, 
I switched that as I've as I've become more passionate about songwriting. I become more reclusive, I think. Um, and maybe I was reclusive before, but I turn it on when I go perform. You know, okay. it's like you know, it's like um, you just. I, I remember Dolly Parton uh, made the comment about, well, let's go give him put the put the Superman cape on, or or go give him. They want to just they just want to meet Dolly, you know, and that's that persona. So you know what to do. You know you you know you know to kind of give them folks what they want. But um, the more that I got passionate about the songwriting aspect, I would say the less interested I was about the flamboyant, mm. you know, over-the-top energetic performance and more about sincerity. Just because it's, um, when you see these writers around, a lot of times these guys aren't the greatest singers, you know, and sometimes they're not the greatest players. But there's just a sincerity yeah you're getting a peek into how they feel and you can't duplicate it you can't you know even if it's a flawed performance it's someone's like bob dylan for me is a great example of a guy who's just an awful singer yeah i don't want to hear Bob Dylan. my my wife will enjoy hearing you say that because she repeatedly (laughs) tells me how terrible but you can't deny the body of work that he create he's created and his own take on the things, on the bodies of work, you know, the, the creations that he's done, when he sings it, there's just something magnetic there. Even though he just kind of throws it all away, it's still like there's something about it, right? I think Christopherson is another one. Oh, yeah. You know, that's like just a broken kind of a dirt, you know, red dirt Texas kind of like not not the most fancy vocalist on the planet, but you love hearing him tell the story. Well, I woke up Sunday morning, and like the phrasing is maybe a little yeah. off. The pitch isn't that yeah. great. There's not really a lot of tone there, but you—it's just so sincere yeah. and organic. Yeah, and that's what—that's the magic of songwriting. Yeah, and I know that's that's something that um, you know I've I've been really interested in of late too. Is like, and I I was talking with our co-owner Boyd Culver about this last weekend. Was like, what is the draw of Nashville? Is it, you know, like, and he had, he had been in the music industry a little bit in his younger years too. It's like, and he, he goes there all the time. He's part of the beer brewing industry. Oh, yeah. Um, And it's like, what is it? Is that where all the studios are at that you can record or what? And it sounds like it's because that's where the creativity is happening. That's where the writers are. They can collaborate. Yep. You know, like, are you saying like, what's the attraction of Nashville on a music side? Yeah, on oh, a music yeah. side because we, you know, recently, you know, we know of a few people that have gone down to Nashville, yeah. you know, and and moved down there to pursue the music. And it's like, what is because in, with technology and everything nowadays, it kind of seems like you could do. A lot of this stuff, no Anywhere. matter where you're yeah, at, you right? can. You, that's, I mean, that's part of the reason I I relocated back to Michigan. You know, I'd been down there 17 years, established, you know, somewhat of a network of of players and writers that I that I kind of stick to, and you know, the digital um, accessibility of people being able to not only to distribute but digest and access music, it changes the game a lot on that side of it. Now, you know, if you want to be a session player. You're going to have to live in Nashville. You know, that's just where the music is made. It's just like it's where it's Disneyland. You know, you can't go to Disneyland in Nebraska. You've got to go to Disneyland because that's where that happens. And that's what, the, what Nashville is. You know, it's where the players are. Um, 
and really for the songwriting it's it's where the writers are it's where you go to collaborate like if i if i you know what i'll typically do now that i'm living in michigan is you know i'll start two dozen song ideas um there's a lot of zoom writing that's gone on now because of covid guys can't get together Um, a lot of the the music industry shut down during covid so guys were doing a lot of you know uh, video conferencing writing so i'll do some of that but uh, you take these ideas down and, and you get in writers rooms with these guys and you collaborate with just brilliant minds and uh and that's where all the creativity kind of ebbs and flows out of nashville so on the music side of it there there is like you know um certain aspects of it that demand that you be there for that i i will always go record in nashville the best players in the world are in nashville you know um and you could make arguments for la and, and new york as well but you know the best country players are in nashville you know yes you can track in texas and there's great players in texas and there's great players abroad but you know the quality of player that i can just bump into at a starbucks in nashville as opposed to the best players in kalamazoo uh it's right. just night and day difference of of the you know the group that's there and what their intents are they're 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 um what they're involved with on a daily basis it's their life you know it's it's like if you've seen the movie 300 yeah remember yeah. and yeah. he's like he's like um spartans what is your trade and they go oh 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 and he's like i brought more soldiers than you have that's what nashville yeah. is like i mean it is what yeah. they do yeah so when you go down there and you're let's say you're bringing your own song do you f- pick out players to play your song that you sing over top how does that whole thing work yeah um i mean because you're not recording your own music i mean nope no so you typically have a producer unless you're producing your own stuff okay and the producer is plugged in with everybody you know a lot of times producers are musicians so they're directly plugged in with all the you know the kind of relevant players of the time or 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 are privy to specific styles that are going to fit you know the direction you're going okay you know like uh um sam hunt record mm-hmm. is probably going to have a little bit different style of player you know than like a mark chestnut record or you know like even a luke combs record right um and some of those players may cross maybe the same players but they're just completely different styles and maybe a player is you know more predisposed to being uh more skilled in a particular particular musical style you know like the chet atkins chicken picking thing maybe more this guy's more good at the country thing you know, whereas well, I want to rock, I want to rock thing for this. So we'll pick more of a rock guitarist. You and know. do you have to network for that or do yeah. you just kind of call around and say, Hey, no, well, you can, you can do one of those, either one of those, but you're going to, you're going to land at a better spot. If you've, if you spent time in yeah. Nashville or you've hired somebody that knows what they're doing right. and knows the guys and, and can make those phone calls instead of cold calling, you know, X player and saying, Hey, we're doing a session. Can you come t- down at 10 please? o'clock? You know, we're, we're doing it for this much a song. You know, it's, it's like anything else. It's like the producer calls and says, Hey, we got a session. So-and-so are you free? You know, here's what we're doing. And then, you know, building a band is a lot like building a, a team, you know, yeah. like an, a, a sports team. Mm-hmm. You want to build chemistry and, uh, and kind of put players in, in a room, you know, that all speak the language, all know what they're doing and they're kind of on the same vibe. And that's when the magic happens. I'll tell you, when we tracked this last project, I just released a, a record back in June called old fashioned. And, um, I remember hearing the first version, the first run of um, "This Will Never Work," mm. and just I remember sitting in your kitchen listening to that before we even tracked <laughs> yeah. it, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yep, yep. And uh, 
Yeah, because so Kai and Michelle shot all the photos for that. Yeah. Yeah, so you guys, we were like, here's some songs we're going to record, I think. Yep. Played it that night. Well, just listening to that go down, I just thought this is special. And then we did Born Again Again. Yeah. And that was just so special. It was like, you know, the 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 player's ability to um, expound their abilities or expound on their abilities, however you say that. And not be repetitive with licks and with and with just kind of the same thing over and over and over. Um, you know the, the the songs have separation, they have uh, variety, but they still have a, they still have continuity in the same regard. And um, it's such a you know being in the studio is always amazing. So does it like you know you you've released you've recorded that album? Um, is that a culmination of? like three or four years worth of collecting songs and kind of picking out good and bad? Or is that like a concerted effort? Like, Hey, you know, I've, I've done a lot of songwriting, um, but I want to focus on, on my own record. And you sit down and you record for, or you write for like six months and get your album. How does that process work for you? It's both. It was both. It's picking out the best songs you've written over the past number of years and then saying, okay, I've got, see, it started, we were just going to do four. And then, um, and then we decided I really want to do six. And then um, we had previously recorded two songs that weren't part of any particular project. So then we decided we were going to add those to the project since they weren't available anywhere else. It was just re- we released them digitally as a single. So we're going to take those two songs and add them to the project. So now we're up to eight. Well, I got a few more songs. Like maybe we should we could add one more and do like an acoustic thing, and that's what ended up happening with the song "A Mile Man and Me." Um, it was a song I wrote after my dad passed away. So it was a combination of we. I've got these songs which I've essentially uh, market tested. I've played these out for a number of years, and people have responded, you know, positively to this. Oh, I right. love you know. Uh, I'll be your whiskey man. Play. I'll be your yeah. whiskey. And people are asking. Yeah. It's the best barometer for really uh, testing. A so song. going and playing them yeah. at shows and, and yeah. getting people's feedback and then saying like, well, that one does real well at these shows. I'm going to kind of put that in my back pocket. And when I get to, to produce an album, record One, an album, 100%. Okay. Okay. Because that's, I mean, you're ultimately, that's how you're finding out what's resonating with people. And that yeah. goes back to the comment I made about the gal, you know, um, oh, I'm trying to think who that was like Leslie Satcher, I think just said, I don't know if you're right one or not. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, you're writing all the time. You're writing, you know, you know, three, four songs a week, you know, so um you just free free flow of ideas that are coming out and you're putting these things down on paper and you're you're outlining, you know, the the, the chords and um the movements and stuff. And uh you think you really like them, you know, but like like she cusses a little was a record on a song on the record. I wrote that mm-hmm. just for the project. That was a song idea that I had. I'm like, I think we need a uh, that that kind of girl song. You know, yeah. she cusses a little. So I wanted to write something just for that. I wrote old fashioned just for the record. Never intended it that we were going to name the record after that. It was just an idea that you know you, you turn on the news and you just go, what is going on? Yeah. What is going? Maybe I'm just getting old. Right. That's what it was. Is like. Maybe I, you know, yeah. Are times changing or are yeah, you changing? Yeah, <laughs> right. Without, you know, like, is you know, it my outlook on it, or is it just that things are are actually way different? Yeah, it's probably both. But yeah. I mean, it's just like what? It's progressing it fast like, too. Yeah, it just seems like it's just off the rails. So that's kind of at the core of that album. Like that's the your your 
kind of overarching theme of that album is like, hey, I'm kind of old fashioned. Yeah, I think you know, so. I want this music to kind of relate to some of the like, classic country. Yeah, you know, like well, that's my tra- vibe. Yeah, I mean, right, that's, that's my. You know, I grew up my, my house that I grew up in, man. You know, you talked about being a rock guy for the most part mm-hmm. when you were, you know, when you were growing up. I mean, I had to get exposed to uh, rock and roll much later in life because what was in my house was Dolly Parton and Johnny Cash and Merle Haggard and George Jones and Conway Twitty and Loretta Lynn. <clears throat> there was no rock in our house. I mean, it was like Sunday mornings we listened to Hymn Time Country Style with Jimmy C on 98.5 WNWN. And then it was right from there to the to the you know American Country Countdown with Bob okay. Kingsley. Oh yeah, American Country Countdown. <laughs> There's our, our first ditty. Yeah. for the Love show. It. Go I'm ahead saving and record that. that one. To- <laughs> oh, you know, but but that's that's that was just like I should be saving Sunday morning every you know every week, and then uh, in the mornings, um, you know, we just listen to the to the morning shows, and it's it just always country music. So, um, I you know I just. I just connect to that style. Yeah. So now, so it's about taking, you know, the, 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 the classic country vibe and then interweaving that into, you know, a new thing. We you can know, play it. We and, can play a song if you'd like. Oh, we can, yeah. we can do that. Yeah. I can probably, I mean, you guys, yeah, just we'll let you talking. work on that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to me on like a lot of times I don't, I don't necessarily get themes out of an album, yep. you know, like I see it, Sometimes it's chopped up in my mind. I know artists obviously have a theme, yep. Um, but but kind of naming the album old fashioned is like it's like it it gets and then having a song title old fashioned too is like I, it's I th- easy to to kind of get that into your head before you start listening to the yeah. album. Yep, and I think song you know songwriting is like that. You know, if you let the song kind of go where it's going to go, I think a lot of times that's you can you can try to force it into a into a corner and kind of miss the point. <laughs> And uh, I think if you end up, um, you know, creating an album or, or naming an album of a particular thing and not having a direction um, and then forcing it that direction, you know, that's what we did is we recorded these songs and then we tried to listen to the record, listen to the content, mm-hmm. you know, what jumps out at you. And I think Old Fashioned is just a, re- a reoccurring theme. There's a song called uh, Chose to Be a Man. Yep. That, that's one of my favorites too because it kind of makes you listen to like it is a choice to be a man right like it, you can be a male yeah but like choosing well, like yeah. you're, you're it's you're, funny because <laughs> well let me just say it's funny because i know where you're going with that yeah kai. yeah i know where kai wants to go with this, this song this song i tell the story when i'm playing out and i'm like this song came out the same time caitlin jenner did <laughs> and so with this title like chose to be a man <laughs> We really struggled. Like, how are we going to, you know, what else could you call it? You can't right. call it, you know, what else are you going to call it? You know, so um, I chose to be a man or we decided just cutting the I as in chose to be a man is more of a generic reference instead of like, I made that choice, you know, chose to be a man. What does that mean? You know, but we really did. It was like, now this, now You're this like is Caitlyn Jenner yeah. thing. And it's yeah. like, I don't oh, know what the hell no. to call this song right. now, you know, yeah. um, but there's a reference in there. It's like, you know, call me old fashioned brother. I don't care. Um, and I didn't, when, when I rolled old fashioned, I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And then now when I sing chose to be a man, I think like, wow, that was probably like one of those subliminal in the back of your mind is I, cause I, and that's who I am is I'm, I want to, uh, I want to live off the grid and I don't want like fancy things. You know, I mean, um, my nephew asked me one time we were driving down, I've got a, uh, F one fifty four by four and, 
my nephew goes, if you if you had a number one song in the country right now, what would you drive? I said, man, I can't see myself driving anything but this. Yeah. Mm. I don't need anything else. You know, it, it's it's four wheel drive. I can haul stuff in it. Um, it, you know, it's got a, a roomy cab. I can put all my music equipment in the back. It's safe. It's up off the road. I can see good. You know, it gets good gas mileage. It's nice. It's comfortable. It's it's uh, reliable. I don't know what else I would yeah. ever need. I'm not, you know, so um, I'm like the wood burning stove, yeah. you know, stay back yeah. in the woods kind of guy. Yeah. That's, that's, so that's, just like, who I that's, am. that's who I am too. I know yeah. that's, you know, Kai likes that too is in, in, and then some of the companies we support are kind of have that same mentality. Yeah. Like, let's keep things. It's There's not, something yeah, to be said for traditional, yeah. right? Like yeah. keeping well, things kind of like a, a original, you know, some things are meant to go away. It doesn't right? have to be like, boring. It no, doesn't. That's no. what I think. I think, I think the old fashioned thing for the progressives is like, well, that's just, you know, that's boring, dude, or bro. And I'm like, sweet. <laughs> bro. Well, when we have an EMP, yeah. Your skinny jeans aren't going to feed anybody, right. <laughs> you know? So it's like uh, when you, when you're salt, when you can't Google, you know, how to make rice krispies or, or, you know, yeah. a, an omelet or boil water to make oatmeal or something anymore, you know, then what, what are you going to do? Yeah. And that's a conversation we just, I just had with some friends of mine about, you know, girls who are after the guys with like the, you know, the trendy beards that are yeah. like, you know, yeah. clean, just fade. Just, oh, like yeah. mine, total, right? total, like yeah. No, 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 no. Yours is, that's totally <laughs> no, real. Yeah, they have like, like the hipster, lines. Yeah, they, the hipster yeah, yeah. beards. You know, yeah. they got the, they got the rolled pants and they yep. got the dog chain and they got the beard. And, yeah. and it's like when it all goes down and you need to survive. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be nice. running after you. Guess who knows how to miss ducks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, like raising my hand over yeah, here. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I think we all are. Yeah, yeah that no, was... but but that's that's like you know, it's it's all your value system. Yeah, you know, we talked about earlier about money. You know, my, money doesn't do much for me. It doesn't matter to me. I, you know, I needed to survive uh, to an extent. Yeah, but I don't base my success or my happiness or my purpose in life or my accomplishments on money your yeah your your memories you know you you were talking about this earlier when we were in the blind your memories aren't about oh that one time when i cashed that big check right yeah, your memories are about not. like oh when my dad took me oh, you know God. upland bird hunting i was soaking wet you know oh, or, or yeah. like all those are the things that matter you know and there's not a it, there's not a guy that's been on his deathbed that's that has ever thought i'm sure i'm glad i made that deal oh right? no, yeah yeah you know i sure i'm glad i closed on that on that deal when i did yeah it's you always, know, or I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or, just, or anything. Well, just stuff that matters. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, along, that's what I'm saying. Right. My family, my kids, right. my wife. Right. Man, I wish I would have just maybe been a better dude. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's an old story um, that somebody told about this guy who was uh, like wildly successful, like Wall Streeter. And he was, um, he was folding chairs at church, like putting chairs out. And, you know, one of the one of the young kids couldn't believe that this here's this guy who's like, you know, did all this stuff in Wall Street. And what's he doing? Folding chair, putting chairs out. So he asked him one day and the guy had said, he said, I, I just live my life taking advantage of people. And he says, I just pray to God that for the late the, the days that I have left, that I can serve other people enough to make up for just how I've victimized people. Mm taking advantage of business deals, leveraging this person to get to this place and get to this, you know, monetary accomplishment or whatever yeah. it was. Those are the things that it, what's your legacy going to be? We talked yeah. about that. What's your legacy going to be? And I've seen, I've seen people that are 
extremely successful from a wealth standpoint. And I've seen them get there because they've put serving others, their family and other things first. And that's, it's happened for them. You know, God's blessed them. Right. Or they, so it's like, it's not all encompassing that somebody who's, whose job may be in wealth or is, is that. But if you're somebody who has a passion for something else, yep. you know, passion for songwriting or in my case, passion for waterfowling conservation. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's number one. Right. And if you follow that, it's like, whatever happens, happens. It may mean money. It may not, but you're going to be successful. Well, we, right? we, we said you earlier, know? what, you know, what does it profit a man for him to, you know, to gain the whole world and, and lose his soul. Right. And it's so true. I mean, you're, you're, uh, um, how many people do you know or that you've seen that are fantastically wealthy that are just empty and miserable? Majority of them. I mean, yeah. they, they put so much stock in stuff. Mm-hmm. If I just get that boat, if I just get this Is car, that because we were talking about that boat in the other room no. that I wanted? That is for sale. That is for sale. <laughs> you can buy me a boat. Yeah. No, it but is. I, it, it, yeah. it leaves a void that's unfillable because it's always the next thing. Right. It's mm-hmm. always like, well, I need a bigger boat because Frank got a bigger boat. And and I see it on, on the music side of it where people are, it, it's like they, you know, it's like, um, you know, it's keeping up with the Joneses. Mm. You know, it's like. Well, it's worse so, and worse now. Oh, it's brutal. With social media, it's, it it's is, nonstop. It's brutal. But you want to play a song? Let's do yeah, it. I wanna, okay, I which don't... song do you want? Who are you asking, asking, me? asking me? Yeah, Don't ask anyone. Me. You pick one. Old fashioned. I'm playing it out of your new al- album. Yeah, let's do old fashioned. Okay. We've been talking yeah. about that a little bit. I guess you might call me old fashioned. Cause I'm set in my ways. I like old country music. That probably won't change I keep an old Smith and Wesson Right beside my King James Now some folks think we should ban them I wish more nightstands had them I guess I'm just old-fashioned This world has gone crazy and spun out of control. Beautiful stuff. Oh, man. man. I, I love it. Like, I, I kind of add, it's like when you first get into country music, I, I was telling Kai this too, is like, I, I've been like really heavy into country music the last couple years. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a pr- progression too. Like, you start with the stuff you hear on the radio, right. you know, and then you start kind of fading back to the, the stuff that's older or yeah. more soulful. Yeah, I, well, I think it's like your it's like your favorite artist. You know, everyone likes like Friends in Low Places if you're a Garth fan. You know, but then you once you get into Garth, you want to hear, uh, you know, all the all the you know B side stuff. You want to hear, um, Cold Shoulder, and you want to hear songs like uh, the night I called the old man out. You know, because they're like yeah. the songs that are like the the. You know the the cuts on the album that not everybody knows, but you're getting into like the you know great craft songwriting, and um, yeah, I mean, but that's just what I I, I love it. You know, like when, when we track that, I remember.
first of all, some of the content about, you know, I've got an old Smith and Wesson right by, right beside my King, King James. James. Yeah. I meant to ask you about that too. Like, like King James is referenced so often in country music. Is that because it, it rhymes a lot better than like new international version, <laughs> you know, could the be. NIV version be, or the yeah. living Bible, you know, <laughs> like, ESV. Yeah. Yeah. No, it could be. Um, I think it's just a traditional, it's just another yeah. traditional reference. Yeah. Old fashioned. I love There's it. nothing more yeah. traditional than the King James. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, like some of that stuff is like when we talked about song selection for this project, should I cut it? And, you know, it's like it's got talks about uh, uh, I stand up for the flag. And it be, now you're getting in kind of the political spectrum. Shouldn't be, you know? though. No, it shouldn't <laughs> yeah. be. I, I agree. But, yeah. it, but it, it's one of those things where you try to be somewhat sensitive. You can still have your hardcore beliefs, yeah. but then still try to be sensitive. So you have to decide, like, am I going to say I don't care? Or, or should I be, you know, a certain way? Everybody was like, you've got to cut that, you know, which was great. I loved it, you know. And then when we went, when we went into the studio um, and I just I remember, you know, uh, ahead of tracking, telling the band, like, this is country is cornbread. Just, you know, just take it back and, and make this thing what it is. And um, Scotty Sanders was was the one who played steel guitar on that. Um, Janae Fleener playing fiddle. I mean, it was just those are those are rock stars. Those are yeah, yeah those are country yeah. rock stars, and they love playing country music. I think that's the track that we left a session with. Everybody's like, "Man, I don't get to play that anymore yeah. these days," and that was just fun. Yeah, so it's one of my favorite Make tracks on the record. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. cool. So yeah, it's uh, you know one of the reasons we invited you on the podcast today is because a you've got some interest in hunting you're i would say more than just an interest in hunting yeah and you've got some really cool stuff coming down the pipeline but let's talk about kind of like what your background is in the hunting world i know yeah. we talked a little bit about your upland hunting with your dad oh, yeah, but, yeah. that's you know it, well that was um I, it, was, it was always hunting with dad it started with squirrel hunting you know when i was oh, 14 yeah. or 12 mm-hmm. you know squirrel hunting rabbit hunting i had a beagle i think when i was 10 um, so it was, it was before that. Cause I, I know I got champ when I was 10 and, uh, he was the dumbest beagle that's ever lived <laughs> on the planet. But, a lot of people can probably relate to you, but yeah. he was a hunting machine. I mean, we live, uh, we live on a swamp, you know, we got swamp land behind my mom and dad's house and you would, you would open up the, the door to the kennel. See ya. Gone. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> Just, I mean, you can hear him way back in the swamp, sometimes for days. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. We he, had that neighborhood like beagle that would come around like you'd see it once every six months. It'd just yeah. be like at your house for a couple of days yeah. and then it'd be at somebody else's no a way. mile down the road. Oh, yeah. yeah. Champ would be gone for sometimes. I mean, it, it was days. And uh, and a couple on a couple instances, my dad came out and there's a rabbit sitting on the back porch and Champ had gone back out for another one. So he'd either... Caught a caught a, a slacker yeah. or somebody that was hobbled a rabbit that was hobbled, but he ended up coming back with a couple. But um, and then it was uh, you know we talked about earlier pushing fields. My dad loved a pheasant hunt; it was like his favorite thing in the world. Um, I don't know how he ever got into pheasant hunting living in Michigan because yeah. there's only like six of them left in there. I think. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know we'd go to the preserves, local preserves. We'd hunt in Yankee Springs a lot, so yeah. it wasn't just pheasants; it was grouse and woodcock. And uh, as a young kid. Um, you know, pushing those farm fields early mornings in October that are soaked with dew, you know, so you're, I'm covered from like my shoulders down, 
you know, pushing his shield over his dad. Just, <laughs> Come on, dad. Know, just freezing. He's like, he, he'd always, too, he'd always be like, hey, go, go down there on those cattails. I'm like, you go down there on those cattails. I know this trick. You just needed you, me to take a shower today, didn't the you? Dog. Yeah. you got the dog. Yeah. Let the dog go push the cattails. No, let's get the 10-year-old to push the cattails. Um, but yeah, those are the memories of, of growing up. And then, you know, when I got old enough, um, November 15th, every year was a holiday. We took the day off of work and we all deer hunt. And, uh, you know, it was, it, it bled into turkey hunting and, okay. um, a little bit of duck and waterfowl, not as, not as much as you guys, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested to do more yeah. of that. That's kind of, that was, was so much fun kind of my progression too, was like, it wasn't the upland bird stuff, but it was deer and then turkey and then, you know, it was deer, waterfowl, turkey. Yeah. Um, but it started with deer hunting. Cause here in Michigan, that's like, if you do any hunting, you're going to be, you know, deer you're going to be deer yeah. hunting. I think so, that was like, because my brother's a big hunter, and uh, that was our, like, family thing, you know, hunting is like deer deer season yeah. comes around, you know, Troy's going to take the day off of work, I'm taking the day off of school, dad's taking the day off of work, and, you know, mom yeah. knew that there was going to be, you know, a number of bodies back there, and, and you couldn't wait for someone to say, you know, got we're, one. we're on a blood yeah. trail, yeah, you know, yeah. Or, or, yeah, or, or we yeah. got one. So that was like... Um, probably the most, uh, uh, you know, like feverish style of hunting. Um, but then dad and I just did a lot of bird hunting because okay. I was, so my brother's nine years older than I am. Okay. So by the time he was 18, you know, he's out of the house. So there was a lot of time for me and dad to be in the woods and, and it was like, or in the field. And I was the, I was the last remaining bird pusher, you know? So he's like, go over there, you know, go right, yeah. through those cat tails. Yeah, flush them oh, towards wow. me. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly Thanks. Right. Yeah. Exactly I'll shoot right. over you. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, I remember like the first squirrel that I ever shot. My dad had shot it and had a BB gun, and he, or it was a bird. It was a bird. So we're out bird hunting, and I think he'd gotten a quail, and uh, and he's like, I was like, can I take a shot? And he's like, yeah, go ahead. So the bird's laying dead on the ground, <laughs> and I get like three inches from this this quail, and I pump, you know, I pump my BB gun up, you know, like thirteen times, and I plunk. I'm like, yeah, take that. God, team effort. Yeah. <laughs> Go back uh, home to yeah. mom. Look, mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really finished it off. I think dad kind of yeah. loosened her up, but I, I, yeah. I finished her off. Think about so. like the the memories, right? Like and how they're, it's not just like, yeah, I think I shot this bird one time with my dad. You literally can, in your mind, reenact it, right? Oh, like yeah. it's that impactful. Like I remember the BB gun. I remember like oh, yeah. pumping it. I remember oh. how far I was. I remember like, oh, I remember being so cause, crazy. Cause now I look back at it as an adult and I'm like, I can't, he must have been thinking you. You know, because I'm like three inches from this breast of this this bird that's the size of like a baseball, you know, and I'm like, pow. Yeah, man, I, you know, I think that's the I think that's the underlying magic of hunting is this goes back to like the money thing we talked about. Mm -hmm. If you're if your hunting experience revolves around going home with something, you're missing a point. Yeah, right. It's all about going out there. It's all about being out there. It's about the laughs and the blinds. It's mm -hmm. about being able to laugh at yourself. And missing. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes that's yeah. more fun, to be honest with you. I like mean, the missing when you one, get, it so goes had, through the gauntlet. Just for the record, we had this one duck. So we had a, we had a, a group go over us. Yep, four. And then the one just seemed to like like matrix itself over <laughs> yeah. us with its yeah. wings expanded. And we all just blazed away like three shots a piece. And this thing yeah. just kind of looked at us and then flew off. Yeah. See ya. Yeah, you it's know? amazing. And it's like, that's what you're talking about. It's amazing. About. That's yeah. what you talk about. And yeah, it's it's almost more memorable. You know, I talk yeah. about misses all the time, like ones that are just ingrained in my mind. And, you know, where there's a few few shots that you make that you remember, you yeah. know. 
But there's a lot of misses that I remember too. You know, <laughs> tell more you misses than to relate yeah. this to songwriting. The worst thing for me is to hear somebody go, "Yeah, I wrote this in like 12 minutes, man. I just <laughs> fell out. I was just really inspired, and you know, I just all came kind of the Lord came together, the world came together." The, that doesn't happen for me very often. Yeah. You know, it's I, like, shut up. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, um, you know, going back to hunting, get out there and just be out there. Yeah, uh, you know, do it ethically. Yeah. Um, you but know, you're doing what you love to do. Yeah. Right. Like, and it's like songwriting. Even if you write, you may you may do this. I know I've got a friend who's a who's a journalist, right? And I talk to him, and he's like, oh, "I go in and I write this many." articles yeah i've got this many and i'm like well are you writing them for a purpose he's like no just to just to write Repetition. i enjoy writing it keeps me fresh it keeps me practiced absolutely you know and you kind of go into it knowing that yeah this isn't going to be recorded you know or but it keeps me being creative it keeps things flowing oh yeah you know? well yeah you have to stay you have to stay active it's just like anything else i think you're whatever you want to call that it's like a it's a muscle yeah you have to keep yeah. it exercised yeah, clearly, you know, I wasn't exercised this morning. Me neither. You know, think, and that's why I, I like early season. Fortunately, Kyle I was, was drenched in sweat. <laughs> I think I'm the only one with waiters. Yeah, so. you were actually exercising. I was. I think yeah. he was. Uh, I think he was shooting left-handed with his eye closed over his shoulder, and he's still hitting ducks, <laughs> and we're not hitting a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm always going to blame it on Hank the gun. Something. <clears throat> oh, Hank was yeah. just Hank was chomping at the yeah. bit. He yeah. Was, Oh, come on, guys. Yeah. Yeah. At least we sh- killed something. Yeah, we one picked up deck. a few birds. Yeah. But one goose. Yeah, yeah we got dinner time. anyway. All right. Yeah. Absolutely. Should make those poppers. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Let's do that. Should. Like right Fresh. now. Sure. <laughs> Just kidding. Fresh. I got a one o'clock meeting, but I can push it back. <laughs> <laughs> Throw uh, it on the Traeger. Yeah. I'm fine with it. Absolutely. So you've got a, you've got a project coming down the pipe uh, yeah, we got a big show program yeah. yeah yeah december 11th at the state theater in kalamazoo in fact it's getting so they're gonna um we're recording this on a monday and um they're gonna start the, i think they the 93 uh plays the teaser today and then we okay. actually okay. announce the show tomorrow but by the time this yeah, comes out yeah. it'll have been announced and um I don't know. Do you want to? Do you want? Should I just redo that so we don't have that on there? No, no, oh, you no, don't no, care. No, okay. Good. I was yeah, like, I don't yeah. know if you no. wanted to, to say. No, it that's too. fine. No. Okay. Like, um, but yeah. So then the, the, they'll announce the show tomorrow, and um, so it's essentially we're gonna what we talked about with the writers round. Um, we're gonna bring to Kalamazoo, and it's been kind of a dream of mine that I've wanted to do for a long time. We had we had this show booked last May, like May fifteenth, and then all the all the crackdowns and you know the the lockdowns because of COVID. Yeah. yeah. People couldn't gather, so we had to put. You know, we pushed the show back to October twenty third. I think, you know, that was through the summer. Everything had been locked down. Things had kind of started to open. Still, still weren't going to be able to make it work. Um, and so now, December eleventh, we've revisited it again. We actually had a date in October. Had to push it back oh, again. Geez. So this is our fourth date that we've had. We've been trying to do this, and uh, really outstanding writers coming up. Uh, Win Varble uh, wrote. Uh, waiting on a woman for Brad Paisley. He wrote, "I'm a little more country than that." For Easton Corbin, he wrote, "Have you forgotten?" For Daryl Worley, and then uh, Gary Hannon wrote, "Tequila makes your clothes fall off." For Joe <laughs> Nichols, yep. he wrote, uh, "Back when I knew it all." For Montgomery Gentry, he's he's a fantastic writer and, and uh, a good buddy of mine. And then Tony Arada, who wrote the dance for Garth Brooks. I mean, that's oh. pretty much all you have to say for his resume. Yeah, he's uh, I think Garth's cut seven of his songs. My dad, one of my dad's favorite 
artist was Patty Loveless, and she had a song called Here I Am, and Tony wrote that. So I'm really wow. excited to get to share the stage with these guys in my hometown yeah. and uh, and do the, the writer's thing and bring that to Kalamazoo. We talked about, you know, where else are you going to see this? Yeah. And unless you go to Nashville, it's really kind of the flagship thing of Nashville is with it being a writer's town is going and seeing these writers perform the creations they've been working on. A lot of times you'll hear these songs and go, oh, that song's amazing. And then a year or two down the road, you hear it on the radio, you know, because they might have just written it or they might have not placed it yet. Um, but, you know, a lot of times I fall in love with the versions that the writers right. perform uh, because it's just so organic and just so real. There's a there's a version that Gary Kurt Phillips of a song he called called That Ain't Nothing, and Craig Morgan had cut it. And they 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 kind of commercialized it in in the uh, in the studio, you know. And uh, I, you know the, the the melodic hook was that ain't nothing for Craig Morgan's thing. Well, Kerry Kurt Phillips, when he performs it, it's very like, well, this that ain't nothing. So it's more, oh, yeah. it's more of like conversational and organic yeah. and almost like um, I don't want to say spiteful, but whatever that word is, where you're just like this, yeah, this ain't dude, this is nothing. So. I heard that live and I'm like, oh man, I love that version so much better. Yeah. And, Craig, and Craig's amazing. And Craig's uh, producer um, is a friend and co-writer of mine. So I, I love all those guys. But just, you know, it's that organic side of the songwriting process where you hear the writer do it and you go, oh, dude. Yeah. yeah. What a, what a yeah. neat. Because that's the intent. That was his intent that was when he's intent. writing it. And to be able to get that kind of that raw, or, you know, because we've talked about this. Country music is is got a lot of its value in the fact that it's relatable. Yep. And if you can hear someone pull, pour their heart and soul out and you know that that's the person oh, yeah. who, who originated that, that creativity. Oh yeah. Like that opportunity doesn't come along very often, you know, and to be able to kind of bring Nashville up to, up to Kalamazoo, yeah. you know, and give people a glimpse into what you get to see and experience. And maybe some people in Nashville do once in a while and to do it with a collective group like that, it oh, seems like once in a, well, Once in a lifetime here in, in the Kalamazoo. And the area. State Theater is such a great yeah. place for that. Yeah. You know, this well, is Kalamazoo this is in a, general. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I just mean like you you want a venue that is going to live up to the the act. Mm-hmm. You know, what you're mm-hmm. gonna bring to it. You've got three fantastic, you know, uh uh successful, capable entertainers and songwriters. You want to make sure that you're delivering that in an environment where people can really digest and get the, yeah. the most out of like that theatrics yeah. of that. And the state theater is awesome for that. So I'm I'm so excited. They've been great. Um, Kalamazoo Mortgage is uh, is spearheading and, and sponsoring the event. We're raising money for Safe Harbor Children's uh, Advocacy Center. Oh, cool! So these are kids that are neglected and abused, um, need a place to go, need a place to heal. Um, they give these kids a, a safe place. Um, you know, to kind of move on with their lives and mm-hmm. try to get to that next mm-hmm. place. And, you know, if you guys don't know or, or haven't heard, you know, COVID has been devastating. Oh, yeah. Some of the sexual yeah. and domestic yeah. abuse with, with kids and just spouses. So this is an opportunity for us to do something really awesome in the community. That is cool. You know, like not only just hold a show, but then make turn those resources right into our community yeah. and have a direct impact. And uh, and Brian Metner at Kalamazoo Mortgage was instrumental in that he does a ton of charity work with uh, local law enforcement mm-hmm. and uh, and just uh, charities in general. He does a lot for the community, so he jumped at the opportunity to help uh, make this thing a possibility. So kudos to him. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it kind of goes back to our, what's your legacy and why are you doing what you're doing? And when you start to, to see some of the, I don't want to say the side effects or the, the side benefits of, of the songwriting and the music world. And you see how it can benefit, it can benefit, you know, things that aren't directly related to what you're singing about or the people that are even listening to the music, you know, is like, okay, well, there's, there's a lot of purpose for what I'm doing. You know, music is so powerful. Yeah. I mean, whether you're a rock and roll guy and, and you're, you know, getting amped up to go do whatever it is you're going to do, you know, or you're, you're heartbroken and you're listening to country music. Uh, music is just tremendously powerful, not only in the aspect of the actual musicality, but events like these, like this are going to bring a ton of people together Mm -hmm. for a common cause. It's going to raise a lot of money. We're going to be able to put that to good use to directly impact the lives of kids in our own community. So it's, it's a, it's a multi, you know, faceted thing that's going to be, a uh, you know, I I hope to be able to make a a regular, like an annual or even biannual, you know, event here in Kalamazoo. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, the state theater is a great, great venue. I think the last time I was there, um, I, I watched Mike Ness from Social Distortion jump off the stage and beat a guy up. <laughs> he was 50 years old. 50 years old. It was crazy. One of the craziest things I've ever seen. What but did he yeah. beat him up for? He threw a beer at him. Oh, he that, was on stage. That'll do it. No yeah, way. he was on stage what singing, and this guy threw a beer at him. He like drops the mic, jumps off the stage, and this dude was like six foot five, like 280 pounds. Goodness. And Mike Ness is beer a, was? Yeah, Mike oh. Ness is a is a you know, oh, Mike, oh, yeah, yeah. Mike Ness yeah. from Social Distortion. He jumps off stage and all you see are fists flying. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then he jumps That's back up on stage and he just starts trash talking this guy and the guy was escorted out oh, of there. Sure. It was crazy, but I'll never forget it. And I, we had great seats because there's yeah. great seats everywhere in yeah. the state theater, wh- yeah. whether you're up it's in the balcony. Or, to see a show. Yeah. 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 yeah I think last time I was there, it was uh, Eric Church before he actually. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a great, um, that what a great was, place to see. That was like awesome. That. But I think I was, this must have been 10 years ago, I'd say. So you're, you're 11. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, guys. I was just wow. like, young yeah. little guy. Like, wait a minute. Yeah. Um, yeah he's I, like, like, who's Garth Brooks? You, yeah. Yeah. Garth Play Brooks some guy. Taylor Swift. Yeah. yeah. I'm a big country fan. Play some Taylor Swift. Um, you hear stories about that, about Aaron Lewis, about what, what, oh, yeah. How, like, him calling people up in the crowd. I guess there was a, there's an instance you can find it on YouTube where some, some dude was groping this girl and he stops the whole, or maybe wait, this might've been Tim McGraw. This was Tim McGraw. Okay. Sorry. But Aaron, I've seen Aaron Lewis call people out and he's letting, he, you know, if you've ever seen an Aaron Lewis show, he's not shy to throw out the F bombs oh, yeah. and yeah. Well, he just everything started, yeah. else. Yeah. yeah. He started screaming, but there's a great video of Tim McGraw where I think he reaches down and grabs the guy himself. Cause the guy was like, <laughs> the girl had her hands up or something and yeah. he was reaching around kind of taking advantage. And uh, and Tim McGraw basically stopped the whole yeah. band, and he's like, "Get him out!" He like, yeah. grabbed him, and so that stuff happens. Yeah, and I, and I love when artists take that initiative. I yeah. saw that. Yeah. At, we saw that. My wife and I went to Jordan Davis uh, a couple weeks ago, and he had done that in the show. I think there was some people up front that were getting like rowdy, yeah. and he like stopped in the middle. He's like, "Hey, guys, we're out here on a whatever, Saturday night just to have fun. Like, yep. can you cut that out? Yeah, you know." And I was like, "That's." You know, that's pretty cool. Just like make sure everybody's having fun. I know. I love that Yeah. because you're, you're, you're putting yourself, you know, second. Yeah. You know, it's like not my show. Right. It's like somebody needs help. Yeah. 
You know, I, I you I'm know. here to enter, entertain, yep. but you can oversee everything too. Absolutely. See everything. Have you had days. to do that? I don't think I've ever had to intervene and say, and say like, knock it off. But I mean, you see everything from the stage. You see fights break out. You see. And you still got to sing. People yeah, make it like, out. You see like, people like. You got to stay focused when you're seeing it. It's, all, it's hard know. sometimes. You're like, oh my. <laughs> yeah, because that what happens then is you're thinking in your head like, did did he just really do that? And then you, then I'm like, wait, where am I? Yeah, do you ever yeah. just like stop and be like, hey guys, I'm, I'm doing a show up here. Like Sometimes. You, you know, like. <laughs> I tell you, a, a songwriter friend of mine. Um, I went. To, I went to see him when I first moved to town. He's a Michigan boy. His name's Marcel. That's um, what he went by. And he played a room where it started getting loud. Now, for those that have never been to the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville, they will tell you ahead of the show, this is a songwriter venue. Um, keep the table chatter down to a minimum. We don't want to be able to hear you. But they'll give you one warning. So they'll come up and they'll, they'll say they'll tap you on the shoulder and they say. They'll kind of point to you like this is your one. And then they'll bring you your bill. If it happens again, they'll just bring your bill and ask you to leave because the focus is the songwriters. And so he was playing a room one time and I'd gone to go see him and he was in the middle of playing a song and and the the crowd noise got a little loud and he just stopped singing and he started going A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And he got into he got into just about through the alphabet, and everybody was like, "What is going on?" And they stopped, and he just stared out at the crowd, and he said, "Thank you." And then he started playing the song again. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's it's <laughs> just a <laughs> lack of respect. Yeah, you know, like it when happens people are like, time. "Oh yeah," especially once you start getting people drinking and stuff. Oh, they're yeah. like, you, "We were at the sh- we were at my wife and I were at that Jordan Davis show, and there's people in front of us like their backs are to the stage, you yeah. know." We're loving it. Everyone around us is loving. Yeah. Great show. He's a and, great writer. So a friend of mine from Nashville used to manage him on the, on the road. Okay. And uh, and I I didn't I never met Jordan, but he's a great writer. Yeah, and know? he he kind of told some of his story up there, and you're you're sitting there going like, why are you why did you guys pay money? Yeah. To the show, like you paid to come out here and drink. Yeah. Like it's, that's what, and it's very distracting. Yeah. You know? And yeah, my I had a. I think one of my my nieces or nephews asked me one time, like, "Are you ever, you know, do you ever play venues?" And I I, I do I do a lot of corp like a lot of private stuff and I do some corporate stuff. So they'll hire you to come play for like you know yeah cocktail hour you know yep. like uh, National Geographic had flown me down to Austin Texas to do like their oh, national wow. convention. I played like oh, a cocktail hour yeah. at the pool. You know, really, you get some stuff like yeah. that. And then um, and then you're just background music. Yeah, you know, and it's like um. You know, my nephew's like, well, does that ever bother you? I said, no, you just charge enough that you don't care. You, know? <laughs> you just make sure that if they're not listening, yeah. that's fine with you. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you. Just get something out of it. Try to play to the yeah. one guy. There's always one guy or girl that's in those crowds that you can see the toe tapping. And they, yeah. they'll come over and they'll stand right next to the stage. Oh, cool. Because you know, they want to yeah. digest yeah. what's going on when everybody else is trying to socialize or maybe, you know, kind of network. And uh, so you play to that guy. It is what it is. You know, it is yeah, what it is. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's it's... I, I've loved getting to hear like sneak peeks into Nashville because it to me it's it's eye opening both good and bad you know mostly good yeah. it's like trying to trying to realize who or figure out who's behind all the you know the creativity and the storytelling yeah. yeah most of yeah. those I mean that's the thing is you know we talked about you know people don't want to know how the hot dogs are made right you know, but most people don't care they don't know that X guy doesn't write his own songs or. Or, you know, what label he's on or, you know, all the politics behind, you know, the, the, the curtain. 
You know, yeah. they, they go on. But the songwriting world is such a, a magical world, truly. And it's such a craft in and of itself. Um, I think, you know, shedding a light on it with this show, we're going to see how people digest it and what kind of response there is to it. But it's so interesting. And those are some of the most talented people, you know, that write these songs. Um, you know, of course, I'm it's 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 part of what I do. And I've got a huge uh, affection for it. But, you know, you rip these songs apart, you know, the songs that you love and you just you find a line or something. And you just go, oh, my God. Yeah, you know, just what a oh, yeah. brilliant piece of. And the other yeah. thing is, the song lives forever. Yeah, yeah, you know, it lives forever. It's never going to get remodeled. It's yeah. never going to get refaced. You know, people can recut it, but this version that you're familiar with is going to live forever. So when you put your heart and soul into it, and you finish it, and you track it, and you put it out there, you know, like it's something that can be totally timeless. Um, and going back to that line, there's a there's a line in a Joe Diffie song called "Home." And the line is, um, that straight and narrow path he showed me turned into a thousand winding roads. And he's just talking about like, you know, there's no place like home type thing. But it's a reference of how your dad led you. And then you're going to get out in the world and think you're going to do it a different way, which I did. And I think I knew a better way. And you always come back to. He was right. Yeah. Wow, he was right. Yep. And he's, he, he lived it and he let me figure it yeah. out. Yeah, he let me live it to realize, yeah. you know. Oh, I'm I am the idiot that I thought I was. Okay, <laughs> it's just life, man. So, so is this um, this deal at, at the state theater? Is this going to be all acoustic? Yep. Okay. Yep. Oh. It'll, so it's four guys on stools. If you've never been to writers, yeah, no, before. I haven't. Um, just for the listeners too, it, it's uh, it's four songwriters. We're going to be on all on stools with our guitars. And it'll just go one after the other. And it'll be like when when will talk about, you know, um, you know, maybe his relationship with Brad Paisley, how the song got cut, who he wrote it with, okay, how it got inspired, you know, waiting on a woman. Yeah, man. everybody yeah. can relate to yeah. that, you know. Yeah. It's like it's like guy. MTV storytellers. It's exactly type thing, what it is. But it's it's you know, brought to you live. by Nashville. It's yeah, live. live. It's and just it's not awesome. somebody else narrating it. Yeah. It's oh that's cool. It's such a neat thing because yeah. you know Win is such a great performer. He's very funny. He's got a great sense of humor. Um, you know, and his his uh, his his palette of content, like his catalog, his songs are fantastic. And 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 some of them are funny. Some of them are heartfelt. I think songwriters in general are like that. They you know they they thrive off from you know a lot of emotions, and they try to try to put those emotions into their work. Um, yeah, you'd have to have some personality, yeah, right? For sure. Well, and, and you make for a pretty boring. Wins got right? enough for everybody. Yeah, Wins got <laughs> enough for everybody. So uh, he's a good old boy from Georgia, and um, just his interaction, his live performance. Mm-hmm. You know, he is an artist. He is, uh, he's fantastic. Um, you know, get, getting to sit on the stage and, and hear Tony Rada play a song that was so instrumental in my youth, the dance. Yeah. I played the dance after my dad passed away, you know, for a week and just cried, you know, and just thought about how bad it hurts right now. But it, it only hurts because we had such a great right. bond, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and I could have missed the pain, but I'd have had to miss the dance. Mm. And how powerful that song is when you yeah. have something like that. You know, you love it as a piece of art. Yeah. But then when it when it hits home. Right. You know, it was like uh, tears in heaven. 
the dance. I'm, I'm playing these songs for myself and I'm, you know, just not getting through and crying, you know, yeah. just trying to get it all out. Um, but, but it's, you know, what a, what a privilege it is to get to hear that live oh, and, and hear the story behind that. Yeah. And like, that's something that I appreciate about Nashville and this, the songwriters and singers there is that they are brave in writing those types of songs. Oh yeah. Right. Like it seems like they're, they're open to just spilling their guts. Oh yeah. Which is, you know, something we don't get a whole lot of nowadays. It's like, what face do I got to put on, you know, so I seem strong or I seem funny or, you know, so people think I'm cool. Right. It's and, a, and it's so authentic and just it's soulful. Like it's we talked a, about, it's a it's a vulnerability that you're yeah. absolutely willing to expose, and you yeah. have to in order to really tap into something like we talked about the sincerity, the genuineness of songwriting when it comes from a place. I wrote this, this song "My Old Man and Me" on this most most recent record. Um, one of my very good, my old hockey buddy, who's a huge hunter, he took us out. He was our guide when we went to Montana. Steve okay. Steve Ludke was an old hockey oh, buddy of mine. Yeah. And um, uh, when he found out my dad passed away because he'd taken us and spent a lot of time with us together, his dad passed away the year before. Okay. So my phone rings and um, I, you're not, you're not in the mood to answer the phone, you know, when, this, when something like that happens, mm-hmm. but it was Steve. And I, you know, I kind of knew what he was probably calling for. And I said, hello. And he said, I've cleared my schedule for the next two weeks. I'm packing my bag right now. I'll be there tomorrow and I'll stay as long as you need me to. He goes, but just know that I'm on my way. That's no awesome. way. Yeah. And uh, it was so powerful. I mean, we we uh, we sat and drank in my living room and cried our eyes out together and talked about. So he had his he, he's got a family hunting lodge in Wisconsin where he's from. He went to bed. You know, uh, him and his dad went to bed the night before opening day and he woke up in the morning. His dad had died from oh, a heart attack. So he woke up and his dad. Wow. Was dead. And so he he was staring out the window and he says, my old man and me, he goes, man, you got to write something about that. (laughs) And, you know, I didn't want to write anything. I don't want to have it. I just wanted to shut the world off, you know, but it was one of those things like you feel maybe, uh, maybe it's God talking to you. You Maybe it's God saying through Steve, you know, it's time or something. I don't know what it was, but it was just kind of like, yeah, I think you're right. I think I do need to write something about that. So then tapping into the push in the fields as a kid, you know, the gold, you know, the, the, the golden fields, because it's all, you know, cornfields or it's sorghum. Um, you know, we drive those rolling gold fields of gold at sunrise uh, and, and, and flush them one by one. And that's what we did, you know? So as a songwriter, being able to tap into that really intimate part of your, yeah. of who you are is really, I think is really important. Yeah. And I think those are the songs that we all go, Oh man, Whoever wrote home, I don't know who the songwriters are on that song, but someone had to live that. Yeah. You don't, you don't say, I don't think that as a songwriter, there are things you can manufacture, but I don't think there, you, you manufacture a line like that straight and narrow path you showed me turn into a thousand winding roads. That's a mature right. human being hmm. who is. But you, you, you think that. about that, you know, the songs that you wrote, it's like a lot of people don't even don't even open up to their closest friends and loved ones that yeah. much, let alone put that on a record yeah. and For like send it out to the world yeah. like that to me would take a whole lot of, right. Yeah. You know, cause it's like, that is the deepest part of you yep. coming yep. out and you're just like, 
There it is, everybody. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's, you know, for songs like that, I, I truly, it's therapy. For you, you and, hear, and, yeah, you and then people. it turns into other people's therapy. Yeah, you know, well, I'll tell you what. i tell you what made me record. One of the things that made me record that song was I sent that song to Kevin Post, who's a dear friend of mine and plays in the Blake Shelton band. Kevin's a pretty tough critic. You know, so if you, t- if you send Kevin a song, you know, that I thought was good, he said, oh, man, that's cool. You know, <laughs> and that just, that, meant, yeah. that just meant like it's another song. Yeah. You know, and he, his dad had died right around the same time that my dad had, had passed away. Um, and so we were, we were kind of staying in touch about how's your dad doing? You know, my, you know, mine's not so good or, or whatever. And, uh, I said, Hey man, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how much your, your hunting background or whatever, but I just thought maybe the song might strike a chord. And he, and he said, man, you really need to record that. He's a lot of people need to hear that. Yeah. And so that meant a lot that he would, that's huge. That he would yeah. say something because I know how tough he is on, on songs. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, so that was kind of one of those things like, yeah, I really need to record this. And, it, and it's, it's been one of the songs that people, you know, uh, have responded to heavily, especially playing it live, you know, so it's been great. And, and so writing the song was the same thing like with the dance, you know, I would, I would, I would start writing it and then I'd get to a line and I would just weep, mm. you know, so the process of that, it has gone from mourning and uh, just, you know, trying to get out the hurt right. from going through that process. And I was scared to death to do it live. And now it's just become my favorite thing to do. That's cool. Because it's like three yeah. minutes. It's three minutes I get to spend with my dad. Yeah. Not, that yeah. I, not that I don't feel, I feel, you know, I, I, I just, I feel a sense of him all the time. Yeah. But it's it's three minutes where I get to really go down memory lane and talk about, you know, we, we walked every morning. When I moved back from Nashville, I was staying with a friend of mine. And what really made me move back, kind of one of the, one of the most uh, influential things that made I was walking with my dad every morning. You know, I'd, we'd take the dogs. I'd, I'd get a, a cup of coffee. And we'd go walk back, you know, behind the property where I grew up. And it was just, it was just a walk yeah. every morning. And I loved it. That is cool. And, uh. So you start talking about that. We must have walked at least a million backwoods miles on that 20-acre plot because we walked every morning, you know, all the time. And then through all the hunting and chasing deer and uh, going through the swamps and and all that stuff. And then you you go through about, you know, uh, know, spending summers at the lake and everything else. So you're getting all this out. And, you know. It's a beautiful song. Now now it's just, it's so, I just love, I just love playing it um, for people and hoping it can serve you know yeah. them in some way that as a memory for your dad too. yeah and it yeah. serves me uh it's it's just a great uh it's a great three minutes for me now yeah yeah oh i mean it's it, we covered a lot a lot yeah i mean we could <laughs> talk, all, awesome. day. I yeah. could I talk just, all day i just you know sure. yeah, and we may have to do this again yeah um for sure get you back out hunting yes you know and get you on some i'll do some, some birds i'll try to do some trap shooting brush up Oh, you know, I found that that doesn't help me. <laughs> like, it's, not gonna uh, it's the gun. It's always just it's the gun, like, just yeah. by an, another gun. Yeah, right. like, that's, it's like yeah, like that's like it. me today. Like, I think my choke. I think it's a full choke. Yeah. I think I need more of an improved cylinder. It's funny because you were complaining about a full choke, and I was complaining about mine being too open. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think it worked <laughs> either way. Yeah. You need a mediocre, that modified. Yeah. Kai yeah. shot his with a pistol, so we. Had nothing <laughs> else, <you know? laughs> no, I didn't do that well either. Yeah. Still knocking the dust off. 
yeah all the rest. well i appreciate but you it, having it me was a ton yeah. of fun sharing the it blind was. with you man and we got some birds and we got to chat with you there's a lot of time for us to sit there and kind of learn more about your life story and, and the background behind nashville and yep. um i think it's a unique uh um unique look into nashville for for listeners mm-hmm. and don't forget the december 11th date at the state theater that's right um yep state we'll theater. get some of that information up on our our instagram yeah. facebook yep. stuff yeah when, when that starts tickets go on sale the 15th okay okay you can get them uh, of october yeah 15th of october so okay. friday okay and then uh um you can get them at the state at the state theater box office yep. i think the number you call is i'm gonna help i'm gonna get this right three four two six nine three four five sixty five hundred and then Ticketmaster. Okay. Tickets are always available yeah. at Ticketmaster. It's called Kyle Jennings and Friends, Nashville Storytellers, December 11th at the State Theater. Um, and I'm super excited about that. So awesome. we're hoping yeah. we get a good response out of that. I yeah, think I, you will. Yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, I'll double check the calendar with my wife, but I'm yeah. planning on it. Well, it's attending. the day before my, before my birthday, too. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. You probably block um, out like two weeks oh, around yeah. your birthday. All of December. Like, it's no, Kai's, no, I'm planning anything it's for Kai's those two birthday weeks. Month. It's yeah. Kai's month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's my month and no. then you get christmas in there too oh yeah it just bleeds yeah. into christmas right that's <laughs> birthday good. number two for kai. i know it's jesus's birthday but right. i think yeah. kai's birthday you know, I, yeah. he was okay he was okay <laughs> he did some he did some things yeah well thanks a lot yeah man. thank man, you thanks for having thank me you. thanks for the hunt yeah. i'm so glad we got to start off absolutely you know doing yeah. that and then and then uh it's the podcast is is great i love what you guys are doing yeah appreciate well, thank it. you all right, there's All right. Kyle Jennings, singer-songwriter, Kalamazoo. Yeah, and this is Corey and Kai signing off. All yeah. right, see you next time. And thanks for listening to the Corey and Kai podcast presented by Cedar on Decoy Company. Be sure to check us out wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, Buzzsprout, and also be sure to give us a rating and a like. Uh, look forward to talking to you guys next time.